Welcome back to Primer, the podcast about all things Amazon. I'm Alex Press, your host, joined as ever by my producer, Sarah Hurd. This week, we're going abroad. For this and the following episode, we'll be talking about Amazon in Western and Eastern Europe. In today's episode, we'll hear from Gianpaolo Maloney, a warehouse worker in Piacenza, Italy, who is the president of his local union, which is part of the Italian General Confederation of Labor, known as CGL. To get a sense of things, CGL has around 5 million members. CGL itself is part of Uni Global Union, which is a global union federation for the skills and services sector. It has affiliated unions in well over 100 countries, representing some 20 million workers. Uni's General Secretary, Christy Hoffman, also joined us for today's conversation. Next week, we'll hear from Polish Amazon workers. And here, I'll plug the Patreon for the show. It's patreon.com forward slash primer podcast. To the 66 people who have subscribed, thank you. The way I keep all our episodes free is by people who can afford to subscribe doing so. When you sign up, you'll get show notes and video of interviews, such as video of my conversation with Chris Smalls from last week. And perhaps most importantly, you'll get my gratitude. So that's patreon.com forward slash primer podcast. So before we get to today's episode, I want to talk about some developments in the United States. At their convention, the Teamsters voted to support an organized Amazon campaign. The union, which has well over a million members in the United States and Canada, will create an Amazon division to run the campaign. As Randy Corgan, who is the Teamsters National Amazon Director, said in a video played at the convention, quote, The Teamsters will build the types of worker and community power necessary to take on one of the most powerful corporations in the world and win. The resolution says the Teamsters plan to create an Amazon division specifically to aid Amazon workers in unionizing and defending standards in the logistics industry, and that the union will fully fund the project. The resolution says that various departments within the Teamsters have been tracking Amazon's growth and impact and speaking to thousands of workers to develop the best strategies for organizing Amazon workers since 2016. This resolution will, in theory, create a unified approach across the Teamsters, some 500 local unions and many joint councils. The Amazon project has six components, educating and engaging its current union members, organizing Amazon workers, engaging the public, antitrust enforcement, industry pressure, and global solidarity. Friend of the show, journalist Lauren Kaori Gurley broke the news about the resolution about a week ago. Here's what Corgan told her, quote, We understand transportation and logistics companies that are only motivated by profit will make changes that always end in workers losing. There's been one unified organization for those workers, and that's been Teamsters members and the Teamsters union as a whole. Notably, there is a distinction being made between the Teamsters vision of how this will play out and that of, say, RWDSU and Bessemer. Here's Lauren again, quote, With the Amazon project, the Teamsters are taking a different approach that doesn't rely on the traditional National Labor Relations Board election process that allows employers to run sophisticated anti-union campaigns and involves the task of running elections warehouse by warehouse. Instead, the Teamsters plan to focus on a series of pressure campaigns involving work stoppages, petitions, and other collective action to push Amazon to recognize a union and bargain over working conditions. This tactic mirrors how the Teamsters organized its first members, horse drivers, grave haulers, and beer wagon drivers, who did not have union rights in the early 20th century, using shop floor strikes, citywide strikes, and other mass collective action in the streets. Here's a quote Corgan told Lauren. We could have been the first Bessemer, but we chose not to go down the path of an NLRB election for the reasons that were validated in the Bessemer union election. He goes on to say, At the same time, the Bessemer workers' message was heard by millions of workers in their position who realized, oh, there's something I can do about this. 
The list is very long in how workers can seek justice on the job. The NLRB is not the only way. In the video shown at the convention, Corgan, who is a longtime Teamsters organizing director in Southern California, said that, quote, if Amazon workers are organizing independently, the Teamsters will help. If workers are not organizing, Teamsters will get it started. Our union has been the leading expert on how to create good career jobs, and it's time Amazon workers knew this. So we'll see how that plays out. Teamsters are already participating in trainings around how to pull this campaign off. The focus in these trainings is analyzing how Amazon brings down pay and working conditions in their industry, the history of workers' struggles that led to the Teamsters formation, and how Teamster members can organize and engage Amazon workers. The idea here is that Teamsters and Amazon workers are in the same communities, so these rank-and-file workers are well-positioned to do this organizing. I've talked to a couple rank-and-file Teamsters who have been through the trainings, and they're cautiously optimistic about the campaign. There will be battles over funding, and a looming Teamsters leadership election will have an effect on how this campaign plays out. But all in all, I think cautious optimism is the approach to take. The key thing here is that the Teamsters really do see Amazon as an existential threat. It's driving down wages, it's squeezing productivity and hours, so they're willing to be serious about this. As Corgan said in a Q&A with Stephen Greenhouse about the campaign, Amazon drivers in Southern California are making $16 an hour, and they don't stay around very long in those jobs. Back in 1996, UPS drivers in Southern California made $20.50 an hour. Right now, a full-time UPS driver in Southern California earns about $38 an hour, and health and welfare and pension and other benefits is another $29 an hour. So that's a huge difference. When you have Amazon drivers bringing down those standards, it is a real threat. As Anthony Rosario, a longtime UPS driver and local 806 member, told Lauren Gurley, quote, quotas are going up. Astronomical figures. We've seen a massive increase in Amazon packages. Industry standards are being diminished that we fought for for decades. They're forcing people to work holidays and weekends. UPS is bending to Amazon's competition. So that's the update on that. We'll probably do a future episode on the campaign, maybe with someone from the Teamsters, as well as with other workers or organizers who have taken on ambitious organizing campaigns. Now, to this in the following episode, our summer travels to Europe. I wanted to focus on Europe early because it's frequently held up as a place where things are better, because there are at least some unionized Amazon workers, and that difference can sometimes be presented simplistically. It's true that unions exist in these warehouses, and that is far preferable to the union-free context workers in the U.S. are dealing with. But problems remain, and people should know what to expect when it comes to challenges Amazon poses even for unionized workers. As you'll hear in this episode and the next one, Amazon fights hard to avoid conceding to workers' demands in Europe. Even in countries like Germany, Amazon tries to dictate contract terms and ignore unions as much as possible. This is why Amazon workers are regularly on strike across Europe. The company simply won't budge an inch unless it's forced to do so. In this way, some workers speak of Amazon as trying to Americanize the European workplace. In fact, Amazon's resistance is so determined that when French courts sided with workers and their unions during the pandemic and told the company to restrict its fulfillment to essential items with a million euro fine for each day it breached this order, Amazon responded by shuttering its warehouses in France rather than agree to those conditions. A brief history of Amazon's presence in Europe is as follows. Three years after Amazon launched in 1995, it opened in the United Kingdom and Germany. Those two countries remain major overseas markets for the company. In 2000, it opened in France. In 2010, it came to Italy, and the next year to Spain. By 2020, there was the Netherlands, Sweden. 
When City Research looked at Amazon's expansion into Europe in 2017, they estimated that the company had grown its global fulfillment property footprint by over six times since 2010. The expansion into Poland is worth looking at as emblematic of the scale at which Amazon operates, and we'll discuss it at greater length in the next episode. It's not that Amazon is especially interested in serving Polish consumers. Rather, it's Poland's proximity to Germany that's key. When the news was announced in 2014 that five fulfillment centers would be built in Poland and the Czech Republic, the intention for these was to serve the German market. These workers make far less money. German workers are paid some four or five times as much. Poland's low union density was also part of the decision. Poland has around 12% unionization rates. Around Christmas in 2013, about 15% of Amazon's 9,000 permanent German workers went on strike over low pay and to demand collective bargaining rights. In discussing the expansion into Poland, an Amazon executive even voiced his hope that unions in the country would stay away. We'll talk to a few of those Polish workers in next week's episode to hear about how they're organized and the really fascinating stuff that's going on in Eastern Europe. Today, we'll zoom in on Italy, as well as this global union federation. Here's my conversation with Gianpaolo Maloney, who, as I mentioned, works at an Amazon warehouse in Piacenza, Italy, and is president of his local union, and Christy Hoffman, Uni Global Union's general secretary. Jim Paolo, can you just tell me like a one to two line biography of yourself? Like, who are you and where is your where do you work? Well, my name is Jim Paolo Meloni. I started working in Amazon in 2012 as a Green Beige uh, temporary worker and uh, became a Blue Beige, so uh, Amazon worker in 2014. I work in uh, MXP5, is uh, close to Piacenza in north of uh, Italy, and uh, I start work uh, uh, with the union uh, as a representative of, of, the, of the workers in 2016. I was one of the first three uh, representatives of, uh, of the worker in, in Italy. Uh, in 2018, uh, I became a representative of, uh, in, in Europe, um, to the Italian worker for the SNB, Special Negotiation Body, is a group uh, to negotiate the, the future EWC. And uh, I am, uh, I, I, well, I, I was elected to, in, uh, I mean, uh, CGL is uh, one of the biggest uh, union in Italy. And uh, we are, <laughs> here we are. So uh, this is me. Great. Can you tell me about what your work is like in the warehouse and what worker organization looks like in the warehouse? Like, how does the union operate in Amazon? I work in, a, in a outbound, so picker and packer. I started as a picker and became very fast packer. And in one year, I became a, quite a lead. I, I had some problem with, the, with my manager. The kind of works uh, they did uh, is very hard to uh, stay uh, in this uh, kind of mood. Uh, you have to make very pre- uh, a lot of pressure uh, to the workers uh, because productivity is first. If you ask to, to, a ma- to Amazon manager, they can say uh, safety first, but we know we have a worker and we know 
the productivity is first uh, uh, always. That was uh, why I, I, I don't make uh, lead anymore. And I try fighting with the manager, fighting, uh, trying to, to protect uh, my friend or my workers. And uh, the problem uh, in my FC is uh, very, very similar to the other FC, I think. I was lucky because uh, in 2016, uh, I, with my friends, we get the, the union inside the, 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 our FC. And the first, uh, we, we try to put a contact with the, put in contact with the uh, European Union. So Uni uh, Europe and Uni uh, Global. In 2016, we, we, we met uh, the other union uh, in uh, Poland, in Poznan. And uh, for the first time, I talked with the other uh, workers, not just uh, Piacenza workers. And uh, talking with, uh, with the debt workers, I understood the, the problem is not uh, just uh, Piacenza uh, FC, but uh, it's very similar, similar in all the FC. So a lot of pressure uh, from the, the, the manager, a lot of problem, uh, physical problem and uh, psychological problem. I saw a lot of uh, uh, friends left uh, Amazon for uh, physical problem and uh, uh, psychological too. And Jim Paolo, you mentioned uni. So I want to ask Christy a little bit about what Unique Global Union is before we get back to sort of the shop floor um, structure of the union. So Christy, can you explain to people what Unique Global Union is? Why have a you know, federation of unions and what, who do you represent as far as Amazon workers go? Uni itself represents a number of uh, sectors in services industries. Globally, we bring unions together to strategize around companies, around industrial issues, uh, show solidarity with one another. And, and, and one of our largest sectors is commerce, so retail workers, and, and also we have another sector, post and logistics. And obviously our commerce workers in particular are very much engaged around e-commerce and, um, and the movement of a lot of their work to commerce, and many of them are organizing in Amazon or represent Amazon workers. So. Um, um, we started seven years ago bringing together workers from around uh, Europe and the US, expanding then to include Australia and then other parts of the world to come together um, on a regular basis to strategize around Amazon. You know, as initially really sharing stories and finding out that the issues are the same, no matter where people work, this issue of the pace of work, the pressure, the turn resulting in health and safety issues and turnover. You know, this has been a chronic uh, uh, issue for, for years, um, but that's what we do. Um, and we, you know, are active in other multinationals as well, but Amazon looms large with our sectors. Right. And Jim Paolo mentioned meeting someone from the Polish Union of Amazon Workers. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, because one thing uni can do is coordinate across borders, right? So sort of get workers in the same room or in the same conversations. Now, Amazon sort of famously, you know, it's very powerful, has a lot of resources, and it often, you know, goes around worker militancy and uses national differences to do that. So as far as I understand it, right, there is militancy among German Amazon workers 
And that sort of led Amazon to invest more in warehouses in Poland. So can you talk a little bit about that story and then how Polish workers responded with this union organization? Well, the the German workers of, I mean, German Germany is Amazon's second biggest market outside of the US. Um, and the German workers have been organizing and striking on and off for seven years, um, you, know, on, uh, you know, several times a year um, and expanding their base and power uh, the, today there's seven warehouses on strike um, and good participation. So they've been expanding the role. And of course, Germany has uh, you know, works councils that you can establish after an election. They've been gradually expanding their works councils in German warehouses. But you're right. I mean, Amazon is uh, also uh, managing a lot of the German market. They're serving a lot of the German market from just across the border in Poland. Um, not only in response to the union activity, although that's a big part of it, but just the wages are about a third of what they are in, in Germany, maybe even less than that. So we're talking about a really huge drop in wages in Poland from what the German uh, standards are. Um, and even in Germany, the wages in in the warehouses, in the fulfillment centers don't match up to the wages in the commerce sector. And that's been their fight from the very beginning is they want wages for commerce. So the Polish workers um, have come together. They've joined unions. There's more than one union in the Polish fulfillment center. They don't have union recognition or collective bargaining, but they've been very militant as well. Um, and I think it, it's much more difficult to have a, a, you know, an accepted union environment in Poland than it is in Germany. Um, that's just their model is it's difficult to get to collective bargaining. Um, and, and let me say, I don't want to understate how hard it has been to get to collective bargaining in Germany because they still are not bargaining with the company. But, um, um, you know, it, Amazon is still refusing. They're handing out raises. Last week, they announced they're going to bump up the salaries a little tiny bit. But um, and that's, of course, it's always great to get a raise, no matter how small it's, it's good to get a raise, but never but not at the bargaining table. So they've proven to be very tough in both in both locations. This is something I really wanted to get at is, you know, so in the United States, no Amazon workers, especially not warehouse workers, have unions, right? And I think often in the conversation, people say, well, in Europe, they have unions. And so I really want to ask you, as well as if Giampaolo wants to jump in, you know, what does that actually look like? So Amazon is very resistant to bargaining with these unions. Obviously, not every worker is a member of the union in many of these countries, um, famously, you know, in France at the beginning of the pandemic, the unions raised issues about safety in the warehouses. The courts ultimately sided with them and Amazon said, OK, we'll shut down operations completely rather than follow the courts and what the workers are saying here. So can you talk to me about like what do the unions get? You know, what can they accomplish in the warehouses and with Amazon? And what are the difficulties that are unique to to this structure in these countries? Well, I mean, I think first of all, the, the, each country is different. So we can't really, it's not a one size fits all, but if you look in, in Italy, Spain, and France, the union is recognized as a representative of those workers without anything needing to take place. And what Giampaolo referred to as the election, the elections in the large work sites determine who is your work site representative among different unions. So it's not a question of whether you get a union, but, and there is the idea that they have in the U.S. is you cannot have any either it's all black or white 
you, you know, you can't have a union that is supported by a third of the workforce. That doesn't get you anything, not recognition, no rights, no shop steward. That's just not the way it is in Europe. You could still have some rights to representation um, without having to go through this horrible process of the United States jumping through hoops to try to get to a majority under the most torturous and humane conditions of being, you know, battered every day with terrible propaganda from the boss. That that whole like uh, piece is missing. Um, and there are different ways that union get unions get recognition. But at the same time, there's not this like in Germany, there's not a trigger that if, if your workers have, you know, 30% or 50%, you have to bargain. There's nothing requiring that union, that company to bargain with you, unlike the US where at a certain point, there's a requirement to bargain. Um, but you still get, you know, I think a lot of the issues that would be in a collective bargaining agreement in the U.S. are um, are either uh, regulated. There are already rules that apply to everyone. There's sectoral bargaining that establishes the, the the floor of wages that establish, you know, basic time off issues. Um, so there's a lot of basic issues you get in a union contract in the U.S. that are already established in some countries, and especially um, in in the countries where you have already a sectoral bargaining agreement. But then you still have to negotiate over the nitty gritty stuff like health and safety on the job. You know, you still need that presence, that shop floor presence that John Paul is really talking about. Like, how are we negotiating around safety, around production rates and so on? Um, and I think having those union reps on the job makes a huge difference. And we can't, we don't want to replace having sectoral bargaining with having people like on the ground in the fulfillment center. So there's no direct comparison with the United States model where if you have a union, you have automatically, you know, you pretty much get a shop steward and, and all these other features of having a union, but it's certainly, um, it's not like you're left to hang out to dry either. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and one thing, so you've already referenced it in this conversation, that one thing that unions are doing in several European countries is that there are strikes that happen at Amazon warehouses. And you mentioned that there's a strike on in Germany right now. Um, and I want to ask you both about strikes in Italy, especially. Um, so there have been recent strikes in Italy. Um, and I wanted to ask what leads to that? Um, so I know there's frustration with Amazon refusing to accede to certain of basic demands, but also, you know, I bring this up specifically about Italy, not just because Giampaolo is here, but because, Christy, you've written about the Italian unions actually getting very strong buy-in to the point that they have a lot of people on strikes. So Amazon often contests, you know, if there's a worker action, they say, oh, 5% of the workforce took place in that action, rather than the majority of workers were on strike. Um, in Italy, in my understanding, at least according to something you've written, I think, Christy, was that there are also delivery drivers involved in these strikes. So I wanted to ask, I guess, you first about how about what those strikes were and how big they were, what the participation was, and then Giampaolo, to the extent you were involved in them, you know, what was that like and how did you build that power? In this year, we had a very big uh, strike in March, the 22. And um, all uh, the um, supply chain, uh, Amazon supply chain uh, involved. So it was, was the first time uh, in the world uh, about something like uh, this. All the contracts was involved. 
Amazon is very smart because uh, he have uh, in all the country have a different kind of contracts. So it's very difficult to have uh, a, um, a strike altogether because you have to organize very well everything. So uh, the first, uh, our, our FC is uh, commercial, but uh, the other one are logistic. And uh, uh, not easy uh, communication about uh, that uh, two different kind of contract, different kind of uh, salary, different kind of everything. So, uh, but um, our force, we, we started, I think, uh, three years ago, three years ago, talking uh, all together uh, about uh, what we want to do how we can uh, do something against Amazon uh, all together. And this year we, we had the first important step. It's not easy to um, let the worker strike because uh, the worker lost one day uh, payment. But uh, we have to try to, uh, to, to let the worker know that it's important strike all together because uh, if uh, for example in my fc i'm okay okay i i'm good paid uh, and uh, i have no problem but in the other fcs uh, amazon too have problems we, we don't have to be egoist but uh, we have to to create a, a big group and a union uh, with the with the worker I know very well Uni, Uni Global, and this is uh, this is the point. Uh, they are trying to do that, and um, I think we're going up very very fast. Uh, and uh, the information in um, in the, in that meeting uh, are uh, a lot and uh, uh, and very useful for the old old country. In 2017, when we did uh, Black Friday strike. Germany helped us in the in the strike. In the first, it was the first time uh, another country helped uh, uh, for a strike. Going back to this March March strike, the remarkable thing about it is that Chijo, which is a national center, in the sense that it's like an AFL CIO for you know uh, uh, for for that. Um, for, for the unions that are, are part of Chijo, they, they represent everybody. Um, and they decided to bring together everybody who worked for, for Amazon, not only the ones who were direct employees in the fulfillment centers. And as John Paolo even described it, those fulfillment center employees were on two different contracts. One was the commerce contract, one logistics. So even under normal cases, you might have a strike in commerce or a strike in logistics. But they brought in not only the fulfillment center workers, but also the delivery drivers, the, you know, so not even employees, the temporary workers, the cleaners who were on a different contract. And it was quite a big thing that you don't normally see anywhere, not in Europe, not in, you know, not anywhere to bring together all these workers who are affected by Amazon's business model and have a national strike. And um, that a lot of attention and, um, force them to like really build all these bridges and coordination within Chijol across their sectors and regions. And, and I think it was quite a big um, 
a lot of coordination involved and and did get a lot of attention and as far as I know and I don't I don't know what's the absolute latest but that also led to some negotiations happening at the national level with with the government involved calling them to the table because it was so remarkable to see that kind of strike now again in the United States you couldn't have a strike of everybody because we have all the rules of secondary boycotts and this and that and if you're not a direct employee I mean there's so many rules limiting the capacity to do that um, but it was a remarkable achievement and I think you know will deliver some progress in Italy for all the workers yeah and I want to ask about so we've talked a lot about sort of unions um, how they're coordinated across countries. I want to ask about, you know, given that Amazon workers in, in many European countries have a union base, at least there's some level of organization. What at this point are the sort of political ideas being advanced as to how to resist Amazon's, uh, how would you say it? Um, let's say um, tendency to ignore people's rights, their surveillance, their exploitation. Like what are the campaigns and I, you know, for you, Christy, what are the campaigns that uni is sort of proposing or putting forward um, regulation or otherwise um, to rein in Amazon? And then Giampaolo, you know, what does it feel like for you as far as what would happen to make Amazon a better place to work? Do we have to completely destroy Amazon? You know, where are we at with thinking about Amazon? Well, I think in terms of, um, you know, the stuff we're working on without revealing like all the details, which I actually can't do right now. But, um, sure. you know, the big themes are no surprise. One is surveillance. Um, you know, we're about to issue a paper on that pretty soon. But but beyond that, we're working with the European Parliament. We've had hearings already at the European Parliament um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe 10 days ago. There's others in the pipeline. So I think we're working both to gather evidence on the ground and pursue like and really do an analysis of where we can take this further under the current you know parameters uh, with both actual surveillance and and data um, gathering among workers um, but then also what's the regulatory you know possibility so those two um, and that's driven and surveillance also drives the productivity squeeze and you know so they're all it's all related you know you get the data you you know you surveil you capture the data and drive people to work harder and that's a, you know both campaigning with the public but also on the you know analysis and 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 looking at the facts on the ground and and the european parliament is taking a um, um they had a hearing and and they'll have a, i think a full parliamentary hearing um coming up um the other issues are, you know, antitrust remains a big, big issue in the U.S. There's some big progress last week with four bills put into Congress on antitrust. We want to really push, we've been, you know, talking about that and pushing that as well on the on the European side. Um, of course, um, workers uh, want better pay. Let's, I mean, the, the issues are not really that different, you know, from one place to the other. Uh, you know, better pay when you look at the, the money that um, Amazon earned and the, you know, for how many gazillion, trillion dollars, billions that Jeff Bezos is earning uh, to offer the German workers, for example, 12 euros 50 and to say, oh, this is a great job. That just doesn't fly. And I think people everywhere want to coordinate around that as well. Um, 
And frankly, you know, the failure to pay taxes is, is looming large as an issue, not only globally, globally right now, it's become a, a bigger issue, but, you know, it's, it's going to hopefully get some progress this summer at the OECD, but this is an issue for all the unions as well. It's like, how do we get out of this pandemic crisis when companies like Amazon zero in taxes? They doubled their earnings in Europe, zero in taxes. So um, these are the kind of issues that uh, we understand as workers. I think all the unions understand they can't win against Amazon only by striking on a regular basis. That we have to go, at, you know, we have to hit them at different, you know, we have to look at different issues that really matter to working people everywhere, that matter to policymakers, politicians, and so on. So we need a lot, we're making alliances with other organizations and, and the classic, uh, in the classic way. But I think all the unions are, uh, are, are recognizing the importance of that when, when it comes to Amazon. I have one more question for each of you and then I'll let you go. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, so Christy, for you, I was reading before this interview, a piece you'd written in The Guardian um, that was about many things. But one thing that you wrote about was Amazon's relationship with factories, mostly in the global south, that produce its private label brands. Um, so as people probably know who are listening to the show, Amazon does have its own products at this point. Um, and you wrote about you know, the working conditions in those factories, as well as the nascent organization of workers to push back against Amazon. So I wanted to ask you about that because I really think it doesn't get a lot of discussion when we talk about Amazon, quote unquote, workers. Um, so what are the conditions in those factories and how do you see Amazon's role here? Well, look, Amazon's, you know, one of the largest clothing producers that, that there is, you know, and growing. And if you ask any retail, if you ask any retailer who's the biggest threat in terms of garment production, they'll say Amazon. Um, and they haven't signed on to the health and safety commitments of the Bangladesh Accord. They produce large numbers of a lot of garments in, in Bangladesh, uh, you know, some other Producers, H&M, Inditex, and so on have signed that. Where you know, obviously, that that piece was published around the time of the um, Rana Plaza anniversary. But I, I think that it's important to mention to say that Amazon is a huge supply chain employer, um, and they have owned brand products, especially in clothing that compete with all kinds of other clothing producers. And they haven't, uh, and you know, they haven't signed on to any commitments to make sure that their factories are safe. Yeah. Um, Giampaolo, I wanted to ask about a sign I saw from Piacenza, I think during this strike earlier this year that said from Piacenza to Alabama, one big union. Um, so what would you want to say to Amazon workers in the United States about your experience working in Amazon Italy? Um, what should they know and how do you relate to, you know, your comrades in the United States who are experiencing the same employment problems that as you are? Yeah, I was well, I was in that strike, and uh, my friend uh, wrote that uh, that uh, from Piacenza to Alabama, one big union, and uh, was uh, a very exciting strike. And uh, thinking about Alabama too, because I think uh, for me they are uh, kind of heroes, because uh, in Italy it's not easy, but we have uh, the rules uh, and we have the law cover us. Okay, and protect the worker. And uh, in America, uh, well, <laughs> it's uh, totally different. And they can, they, they can, Amazon can fire the, very easily. You have to fight, but union is uh, uh, can cover you, can help you, can give you something uh, new to know, 
and um, it's uh, it's very important. Uh, uh, don't uh, stay alone. I I'm sure. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe, but very soon uh, the union came in uh, in Amazon uh, in in America too. They have to understood uh, uh, the unions. Uh, well, the unions uh, I think uh, are changing a bit because the workers are changing. In Italy, we are very quiet, very, very uh, not relaxed, but uh, quite relaxed the worker. Uh, but in Amazon, we we wake up, we we change uh, something uh, inside. I, I never I never um, I never uh, was with a union uh, before Amazon, so it was the first time for me. And uh, I asked to union because. Uh, I know Amazon don't love unions, so uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and um, we fight a lot. You lost a lot because fighting, uh, you are stressed. Uh, uh, you you are fighting with the, the, with a monster with the, a very big uh, uh, um, society that uh, you you can say I can win. No, you, you can think I can win against Amazon, but we win some battle. But the world, I think, is just uh, we are in the beginning. And I think a union is important, but it's important to the politician. Uh, uh, the politician, I think, they have to do something uh, more because uh, we know um, we know how powerful is Amazon. And I think, uh, and this is my opinion, we we have to 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 put some rules, more rules, because uh, right now uh, the thinking is uh, Amazon do whatever they want. So, uh, and for me, is uh, is a bad feeling because I'm trying with all my forces uh, to fight. But I, I, in the, in the high, very high level, uh, I, I can't see right now uh, something uh, real to, to, to fight Amazon. So that, that, that's my point of view. Great. Um, I think it's fitting to end there. Um, so I want to thank you both so much for your time and for Giampaolo for dealing with any technical problems you had. Um, yeah, really, I think it's important for people in the U.S. to understand the other countries and how these things work there, um, which doesn't always get talked about. Thanks for, um, yeah, having this podcast. Sure. Topic. We, we always want the U.S. to understand. Thanks so much for listening to Primer. And thanks as ever to my producer, Sarah Hurd, to Jacobin Magazine, and to Nate Roos for the music. I'll see you next week. Bye.